0: But Eric Bilstedt, you missed the big breaking news story. Oh, yeah? Jeff Wagner, I tell you. There, there, there's going to be people upset all over this country. Matt Damon, you know Matt Damon, the movie yeah, star? sure. All right. He's moving his family to Australia. In part because he doesn't like Donald Trump. He's apparently purchased a property in Byron Bay, New South Wales. Um, the home is next door to that Chris Hemsworth, who, um, you know, right, the Ranger. Thor guy, right. And uh, Damon's telling friends and colleagues in Hollywood that he's moving his family to Australia because he doesn't like President Trump's policies, and he wants a safe place to raise his children. So, Matt Damon. Okay, so what's the general reaction? Oh no, Matt Damon's leaving, or don't let the door hit you on the way out, huh? I'm just, 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 just saying. So, all right. Now, see, I, I want to give credit. For, I mean, at least Matt Damon, you know, you have all these Hollywood stars who all say, hey, you know, if this, if, if George Bush wins, we're, we're giving up our citizenship and we're moving, or, yeah, okay, well, now at least he's moving. So that that's interesting. I wonder if he'll be surrendering his citizenship as well, so he won't be able to vote. And um, well, of course, he still a, make movies. Well, no, he says he's going to still make movies. It doesn't yeah. matter because he's got to travel where to do that, anyways. And of course, um, he's uh, this is of course the same Matt Damon who's had to publicly apologize um, for for sort of defending Harvey Weinstein, who was his mentor as well. So maybe maybe they don't care about like sexual assault or things like that as much in Australia either. Anyways, Matt Damon. Sorry, pal. If if you you know maybe you can get a good deal on his house if you're looking to buy in Hollywood. All right. Before we get to our three big things, I we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I was going to let it go, except there's a story that was just posted in JS Online, which, it just kind of set me off. And, and I, I think it's something that is worth going back to. All right, today is the start of the NCAA basketball tournament, the men's basketball tournament. And this this week is the the finals of the state boys basketball tournament. I mean, tomorrow there's the quarterfinal games and all. And one of the teams that is playing in, in Division two is Milwaukee Washington. they're They're at state. They play uh the number three seed in Division two. Tomorrow afternoon, they play a team from Lacrosse, I, I think, okay? So there's a there's a very nice story that's been posted on Journal Sentinel online. I want to share a portion of this with you. WIAA boys basketball. Jordan Dinsmore is total package at Milwaukee, Washington. It's state week and a day before Milwaukee, Washington heads to Madison to complete its preparation for the state tournament. Freddie Riley is addressing the players about his expectations for the trip. A uh, mid-talk, the Pergolders, that's the team, that's what they call him. boys' basketball coach turns his attention to his senior point guard and tells him and anyone else with an earshot that he is the standard. Jordan Dinsmore exemplifies the kind of player we want at Washington, Riley said. And then the story goes on to say that's strong praise for a guy averaging 11.9 points a game. But anyone who knows Dinsmore understands his impact is bigger than stats. When it comes to how to represent on the court, in the classroom and around the school, few do it better than the six foot three guard. Um a 3.5 GPA student who says he ranks second or third in his class. Dinsmore has also molded himself into a division one prospect, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it, it goes on to talk about how he's not necessarily the most athletic player on the team, but he, he's a class guy. So it's a good story. And I was particularly struck by the coach saying that this young man exemplifies the kind of player we want at Washington. Okay. So why do I bring that up? well, because there's another player that's going to be playing for Washington High School tomorrow in the Division II quarterfinals, and that is Deontay Long, who is a junior. Now, this could very well be Deontay's Long Long's last game as a player for Washington High School, but not because he's going to graduate, go on to college. No, because in a couple weeks, end of March, he is scheduled to be sentenced for his role in a series of armed robberies that were committed last summer. Um, he was convicted of robbing being a party to a crime. He and, and a bunch of other people were involved in robbing a sandwich delivery man in June. He was charged as an adult There were other charges related to this, including a carjacking situation, things like that. He was charged. This is not a situation where, oh, let's wait for the system to work its way through, because in January, Deontay Long was convicted of this felony. The state is apparently going to be recommending four years in prison, four years in prison. He was charged as an adult um, the maximum penalty is 25 years in prison. He's in front of Milwaukee County Judge Pedro Colon, who is not known for um, strict sentencing. So who knows what he's going to get? But it doesn't matter. The kid is a convicted felon. All right. The WIAA has no problem with a convicted felon playing on the boys' basketball team. Here's what they say. Well, the situation occurred during the summer, and because the athlete is a two-sport athlete, um, he had violated the Washington Athletic Code, and so he was suspended for some cross-country meets, so that didn't stop him from playing basketball. But the point is, he has now been convicted of a felony and will, in fact, be sentenced in a couple of weeks. And he is going to be playing for Washington High School as well. The WIAA says, well, this is we don't have a rule that stops convicted felons out on bail awaiting sentencing from participating in student athletics and and it's up to the school the school says, well, you know, he, he's a two-sport athlete, so he served a suspension in cross-country. So the fact that he's been convicted of armed robbery and is going to be sentenced on March 30th, well, you know, we're not going to punish that either. So if, if, if this other young man, Jordan Dinsmore, exemplifies the kind of player they want at Washington – What does it say, big picture, though, about Washington High School that it allows convicted felons, convicted felons, not people whose cases are pending, but convicted felons to play on the team? And what does it say about the WIAA that they don't care? And the WI is very clear. He said, wait, you know, our member organization, we wash our hands of this. Our member organizations make the rules in all these situations. So they don't seem to have a problem with convicted felons. So why should we have a problem with convicted felons? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, let's tee this up. The story is... Well, you know, we, we, we want to have good student-athletes. And look at this one kid. He's a 3.5 student, and he ranks second or third in his class, and he's going to go on and do all those great things. And that's all wonderful. At the same time, he's playing with a kid who is going maybe, I mean, the DA's office is going to be recommending that he go to prison for four years, and he's going to be on the basketball court tomorrow. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I find it more than troubling that Washington High School doesn't have a problem with this and that the WIAA does not have a problem with this. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Twelve nineteen, Jeff Wacker, WTMJ. And by the way, if you're shaking your head about you know how Washington High School can do this, how the WIA can do this, I mean, here's the other thing: this kid is the star on the team. He averages 29 points a game. Without him, I think it would be fair to say that Washington High School doesn't make the state basketball tournament. It doesn't go. What was their record this year? 23 and three. So I guess the bottom line is, if if you can score a lot of points. It doesn't matter if you're an armed robber, a convicted armed robber awaiting sentencing. As long as you can score a lot of points, we want you on the floor. Margo in Pewaukee. Margo, you're on WTMJ.
1: Hi, thanks for taking my call. I was at the Pewaukee, Milwaukee, washington game last Saturday, and I sat in the stands. I don't have kids that go to Pewaukee, but, you know, came to support my friends, and I was in awe. That kid. I mean, he played with his ankle bracelet on.
0: <laughs> You're, oh, wait, wait that, a second. He, oh, he, he he's, he's got an ankle bracelet on. on? Well, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yep. And so, I guess my point is shame on WIAA. Shame on all of those coaches, that principal, that athletic director. Because I think if he would have not have played on Saturday, I think Pua. I mean, it was a very close, evenly matched game. Sure. He walk, he would have won. Now there isn't a student. There isn't a player on that Pewaukee team that has a convicted felon, you know they're
0: all right. right they're they're all kids who are you know in good standing well, they're certainly not kids who are looking at twenty five years in prison when they get sentenced in two weeks
1: no and I hate the word I hate the words not fair, but I just that you know if that kid didn't play. I guarantee we would have beat that team. Well, 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 sure.
0: I mean, well, he's he's the star. That's and I think that's a strong argument that that is why he's playing. I really seriously wonder, Margot, whether if this guy had been a scrub, if this guy had been the kid that mops up the end of the bench, who you know was convicted, who was involved in armed robberies of, right. you know, people do you think that he would be on the bench at Washington High School? No, my guess right. is they would have dumped him, but because he scores almost thirty points a game and gets them to the state basketball tournament, they look the other way.
1: Correct. Yeah. I say I say shame on every single one of them. I mean the WIA, those coaches, the principal, the athletic director same on all of them. I
0: mean, well well, well, no, right. Exactly. No, th- thanks for the call. No, I mean, that's that. that that's it. And, and the WIAA again, they wash their hands of this. They say, well, we just you know, we just enforce the rules that our members um, implement. So if the schools don't care about this and again, one of the distinctions I want to make here is we're not talking about somebody who is accused of committing a crime. All right. So th- this is not the innocent until proven guilty deal. This is a kid who was convicted in January of a 25, a felony that carries 25 years in prison, a crime of violence. And Washington High School puts him back out on the court. Let's talk to Lisa in Oconomowoc. Lisa, you're on WTMJ.
2: Hi, um, I just had a comment that it would be interesting to find out if this kid participated in if there was a school walkout at Washington yesterday for the Bung Islands <laughs> protesting, it would. I think it would be really ironic and hilarious to see if he participated in that.
0: Yeah, I guess. Do you think it's right that? Do you think it's right that somebody who's convicted of a felony can be participating in high school no. athletics? No.
2: No, I. You know, these kids are told from day one when they get into sports that they can't even be around a party with alcohol right. or anything like that, and they could be suspended. Right. So, this this just goes to show you the weight of sports in society. Well,
0: and and look at the way Washington High School handled this to to help even get around their, their own internal rules. Well, you know, he's a two-sport athlete. So, he runs cross country. So, yeah, we 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 gave him a suspension. He served that during the cross country season so he can end up playing basketball. Again, I I raised the serious question that if he if he had been a spud, if he had been a kid that wasn't right. any good, well, I, if he'd been like me, you know, <laughs> I would have been off trust the team. Me, yeah.
2: Trust me, my kids were involved in sports in high school. And they weren't star athletes, and they sat. So sure. I know how this goes. You know, the kids, things are overlooked, and things are kind of tucked away, and, oh, it's okay, let them play, you know, and whatever. And it's not okay. And this is one of the reasons why we as a society are spiraling, right. because we are allowing kids to run our lives. Well, well it's, and it's, exactly. it's disgusting. I
0: mean, thanks for calling. I mean, it's, seriously, the, the next time... Some high school kid ends up getting suspended or booted off the team because he was at a party where somebody was smoking marijuana or where there was some beer or something, and I'm not condoning that. And I think those kids are going to say wait a second, you know, we're at this party and this guy who is convicted a convicted convicted of a crime of violence, party to a crime of armed robbery is going to be participating apparently ankle bracelet and all, you know, in the boys state basketball tournament and nobody has anything nobody apparently has any problem with it, you know, and again, the the irony is the Washington High School coach, you know, talking about how this other kid who seems like just a great kid, you know, this is the type of person that exemplifies the type of player that we want at Washington. Well, that's great. Well, what about the other players that you're putting on the court at Washington High School? Let's talk to Russell in Brookfield. Russell, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hi. As a Washington High School graduate, I cringe every time <laughs> I think of the story or whatever. But it used to be I've already gone through my 50s that are uh um, <laughs> celebration of the war of my graduation. Anyhow, this whole thing is deplorable, and I wanted to ask, if he was convicted a number of months ago, why wasn't he taken away then and put in jail then? Was he given dispensation to graduate? Or,
0: well, no, uh, his sentencing, he he was clearly, in my opinion, the timing of this was clearly... Set so he could continue to finish the basketball season. He was conv- he was charged. The, the incident occurred in June. He was found guilty in January, and the sentencing was put off until the end of March, conveniently after the basketball season has been over. So the the judge the judge allowed this too. So this is Pedro Colon, who's not one of our best judges. This was all this wink wink nod nod. Let's let the kid. Let's let the kid play basketball for the team, so the team can do well.
3: That, that, I mean, that just stinks. It just <laughs> you know, you just get a ninth hour if you chew gum.
0: <laughs> well, well, yeah, but, but but I guess if you if you average twenty nine points a game, don't worry about that. You know, you, you we're going to continue the bail. No, thanks. You're, that 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 is the timing. Convicted in January, sentencing put off until the end of this month, which conveniently corresponds with the end of the boys' basketball season. Hmm. Let's talk to John in New London. John, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
4: Hi, Jeff. How are you doing?
0: this, This stuff aggravates me, especially for all the kids who get tossed off teams for what I would say, minor offenses. And for all the the arcane and petty rules that the WIA has, being a convicted felon apparently doesn't make any difference.
3: Well, that was what I was calling about, is the WIA most likely doesn't have a rule on this, and they do have, the rules are made by their board members. And my bet is that uh, sometime uh, during the summer, sooner rather than later, they're going to address this. And in the meantime, if they don't have a rule against it, They can't really enforce it,
0: right? And and the high school apparently doesn't have a problem with this either. So I mean, this is
3: I've got a problem with the high school not doing it. mm
0: -hmm. Um,
3: But as far as the WIA goes, if there's no rule there, they can't enforce it. Even if the high school couldn't enforce it, certainly the coach could.
0: Right? Exactly. And see, and that's I mean, thanks for calling. And see, and that's what the WIA says. They say, look, we're we are just you know all we do is enforce rules that our members have. The members, which would be the high schools. All right. They don't apparently have a problem with this because I guess the coaches, as long as the kid can score points, well, that's more important than sending any sort of message. Washington High School. Well, you know, we we gave him we treated this as a rule violation and, you know, he served it during the cross country season. Um, So Washington High School clearly doesn't have a problem with this. I mean, yeah, I'm just it, it is just mind boggling to me. Think of all the things That you could do, which would be relatively minor stuff, which would get you tossed off a team. In this case, I guess felony, party to a crime of armed robbery, out on bail awaiting sentencing, isn't one of those. Hmm. All right. 1228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back, well, we're just getting started on today's show. Don't go anywhere. 1237, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, full disclosure this one hits home because my, my nephew in fifth grade. Alex, 11 years old, goes to, uh, he's in grade school in Pewaukee. And um, my wife's grandchildren, two of her grandchildren, um, one is in sixth grade in the Pewaukee school system, and one, I want to say Addie's in third grade, I I think right now. So so they're there. Now, the Pewaukee, for those of you who might not be familiar, the, the campus in Pewaukee is different than the campuses in a lot of schools around the area, in that all the schools are together, like in a in a rectangle. You've got, like, the elementary school, you've got the middle school, you've got the high school, and they're all there. So, I mean, there's one big campus that has all the kids that go to school in Pewaukee. You know, when I grew up and I, I came out of the Glendale school system, you know, you had the elementary school that was in one place, you had the middle school that was another, you had the high school, Nicolet, that was somewhere else. But, you know, in Pewaukee, all the, the – all the schools are, are just together as part of this this rectangle. So what happened yesterday is the Pewaukee schools were closed because um, a Pewaukee student, apparently on Tuesday night, posted something on on social media. Now the police aren't, aren't saying what the text of this was, but somebody took a, a screenshot, Um, of this and then passed it on on the uh, Pewaukee parents Facebook page. So this is what somebody posted. All you liberals are going to be easy targets. I wouldn't recommend showing up to school unless you want to die. Pewaukee is going to be bigger than Columbine and Florida combined. Just wait. Pewaukee isn't so safe. Smiley face you are all going to die tomorrow and nothing will stop us. Okay, this this is not something, this is not one of these things like graffiti scrawled on, on the wall of, of a girl's bathroom or something. Something will happen on March 12th. That, that's not what this is. I mean, again, this is what this sick punk posts All you liberals are going to be easy targets. I wouldn't recommend showing up to school unless you want to die. Pewaukee is going to be bigger than Columbine and Florida combined. Just you wait. Pewaukee isn't so safe, smiley face. You are all going to die tomorrow, and nothing will stop us. All right? So they post that on Tuesday. School officials make the – Tuesday night is when this all comes out. School officials make the decision – that they are going to close school on Wednesday, the parents are notified, the matter is investigated, and as it turns out, they catch the person responsible, who is apparently a Pewaukee high school student. School officials say it would be premature to talk about school district discipline against the student, but potential consequences could be suspension up to expulsion, to which I would say, Yet think. <laughs> All right. But but that that's not the, the broader issue. And and I will tell you, having uh, again, this kind of hits home because, uh, again, my stepdaughter, her kids go there. You know, my my brother and sister in law, you know, Alex, my nephew goes there. And, and I know that this is scary for kids, particularly young kids when you say somebody is threatening to, you know, kill people at the school. This is not the first time this has happened to Pewaukee. Matter of fact, as I recall, there have been other instances of this, you know, over the years. My niece graduated from Pewaukee High School, you know, last year, and, and they have had these things before. And Pewaukee isn't unique. You have people out there who do these type of things. Well, in Wisconsin, it is a felony punishable by prison up to three and a half years if you make threats like this, right? It's a law that went into effect, I believe, in 2015, but you make a terrorist threat like this, and this is a terrorist threat. It doesn't matter whether you're willing to carry it out or not. The simple fact that you have made this threat, that you have made people feel insecure, that you have threatened people, um, that in and of itself is a crime. Now, the Pewaukee folks are saying, well, we don't think that the kid really intended to, to do this, but nevertheless, they ended up making the threat. Here is the problem. Whenever these things happen, you know, people, yeah, they, they get scared, they get uncomfortable, and then... What happens is, as time goes on, the attitude that people start to take is, well, all right, this was just a a mistake. And, you know, especially if it's a juvenile or if it's a student, you know, we, we don't you know, we don't want to saddle young people with felony convictions that are going to dog them for the rest of their life. You know, we, we want to get them into counseling or something like that. All right, our numbers are 414-799-1620. That is the Acumen Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you want to stop this stuff and you want to protect students, you need to do something, and that is you need to charge this kid with a felony you need to wave him into adult court you need to prosecute him to the fullest extent of the law and yes you need to send him to either jail or prison you cannot allow people to do this to terrorize the other students to disrupt classes and to get away with it so yeah this is my challenge to the DA's office i think yeah i don't care i don't care what the kid's background is You do something like this, and if we just had a general rule that every time somebody did this, they were going to be criminally charged, they were going to be prosecuted. If convicted, they were going to be sent to jail and or prison. My guess is this would not happen anywhere near as much. So let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. How do you deal with this situation? Do we treat this as a misunderstood teenager a cry for help, somebody, well, just trying to express themselves and using bad judgment or a bad joke, or do we treat this as a terrorist threat and say we're going to make an example of people who do these type of things? Because I'll tell you, there were a lot of kids out in Pewaukee High School and a lot of parents who were scared as hell yesterday about this. 414-799-1620, that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line I say, and I'm serious about this. Wait, if the kid is an adult, it's easy. You charge him as an adult. If the kid is a juvenile, it's easy. You wave the kid into adult court and you treated that accordingly. But no more wrist slaps on these people. And if the school of, school officials, well, we're looking at discipline up to expulsion. Give me a break. Discipline, a suspension up to expulsion. That kid should never set foot on that campus again. Period, and if he needs to finish his high school education, you get a GED from behind bars. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Peter in Glendale. Peter, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
3: Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I was just telling a person to answer the phone that, you know, you don't know if these people are serious or not, but you need to send a message to all the screwballs out there that this is not going to be put up with. They need to be put away, and and that's the
5: extent of it.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, right, because it's. It's I mean here's the deal. I, I'm thinking of all the other and thanks to call I mean, I'm thinking of all the other kids. I mean the, the kids there who you know woke up, hey, you don't have to go to school today. well, why don't you have to go to school? Well, because somebody said that they're going to shoot you know all sorts of kids at the school. All right, well, I mean, can you imagine, Again, trying to explain that to a 10 year old or to an 8 year old or to an 11 year old that, gee, you're off school today because somebody has threatened to come in and kill, you know, you or your classmates. I mean, you talk about, you know, people not wanting to go back to school again or having to explain that type of stuff. I mean, seriously, seriously, you cannot allow this stuff to go on. And the problem is, whenever this happens, we talk tough. Oh, we're going to throw the book at him. But then it's like, well, you know, we don't want to saddle this kid with a felony. Well, why the hell not? I mean, seriously, why not? What person What person does something like this? And again, this isn't one of the things that really struck me by that snap, by the shot of what the screen capture here. This wasn't some sort of nebulous thing, because sometimes you have that, oh, you know, class of 2018 rules, bad things will happen. I mean, this was a definitive comment. Hey, this is going to, what I'm planning to do, it's going to be worse than Columbine. It's going to be worse than Parkland or Florida was the reference. I mean, this this is pretty scary, and it's pretty specific. Parker in Menominee Falls. Parker, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, I think that we need to be very strong and harsh with punishments for kids doing these sort of things because kids are doing it now for kicks. And I think there are crazy people out there and crazy kids out there that uh, think this is okay, you know. And uh, we need to set a public example of them and humiliate them so Mm -hmm. that kids can learn, like, this is not acceptable as a joke. And uh, those who are not joking around are not in
4: school so that this, this doesn't happen look at what happened in florida a lot of people failed to do a lot of things and uh i don't think we can fail uh here in wisconsin
0: well yeah exactly on on all those different levels i mean thanks to call you have to you have to make examples of of these of these people and i mean candidly this idea that we're going to protect them i mean i i was this law went into effect in 2015 it is not used that often and, you know, um, when it comes to juveniles, you really, it's very difficult to tell if they keep it in the juvenile justice system, and I use juvenile justice in quotation marks, if they keep it in juvenile courts, you don't even know. You're not going to know the kid that did this. You're not going to know what the disposition of this thing was. It gets swept under the rug. And if we're going to be serious about stopping school violence, we have to stop sweeping stuff under the rug. And when people make these threats, and, and keep in mind, this is, this is going to be the start. My guess is that there was some of this stuff that happened yesterday because you had the national walkout, uh, for people protesting gun violence. So that made it an easy target. But I have been doing this show for a long time. And once the, around here at least, once the weather gets nice, um, this is the this is the new school skip out day. Here, let's make a thread on a computer. Let's post something like this. Ha ha ha! We're never going to get caught. We'll think it's clever, and then we get the day off. Well, enough is enough. And this is the challenge to the DA's office in Waukesha to say, "All right, we're we're going to put up with this." Now, as far as the school goes, well, it would be premature to contem- to talk about discipline. No, here here's what you say: We will not tolerate this. And, you know, once we catch the person who is responsible for this, we are going to do everything we can to make sure that that person never steps foot on this campus again. That's the statement that I want to hear from the Pewaukee school officials. And it's the statement that I think the parents want to hear from Pewaukee school officials. Will we hear that? Don't know. Now, bottom line is, He did not act out on this. The authorities don't believe he had any intention to act out on it. All right, that's all well and good. That's great. But he terrorized people, and that should not be allowed to happen. 1249, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1253, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hmm legacy of Ed Flynn. Going to be kind of curious. Uh, Journal Sentinel reporting the Milwaukee Police Department has a backlog of open records requests and internal investigations after uh, the previous chief left the agency in shambles. On almost every level, according to the chairman of the city's Fire and Police Commission, Stephen DeVogas, chairman of the Civilian Oversight Board, said interim police chief Alfonso Morales has uncovered backlogs, raised questions about how grant money was used and identified other possible problems in his first few, few weeks on the jobs. The findings indicate there was serious neglect by previous command staff members, including Chief Edward Flynn. DeVoga said in an email, the, convi- uh, the commission is reviewing the backlog of open records requests with guidance from the city attorney. We are suspecting there may have been political rather than practical reasons for Chief Flynn's decision to intervene. Huh. Okay, well, here's the interesting thing about that. In my opinion, Ed Flynn rarely did anything without the tacit or express approval of Mayor Tom Barrett. Now, remember when we had the huge scandal in the Milwaukee Health Commission? And then it was, well, you know, Barrett's line was, well, I had no idea that there were these problems. I had no idea that there were these gag orders that were out there that stopped health department employees from being able to come and talk about, you know, issues that they had. I didn't know any of this. I didn't know there was the backlog. I knew nothing about this. Well, okay, now it appears that the police chief, now again, I don't know this is valid or not, but it appears that, you know, Ed Flynn, at least if these allegations by the head of the Fire and Police Commission are correct, Ed Flynn left at least certain aspects of the police department completely in shambles and talked about how, again, we suspect there may have been political rather than practical reasons for um, some of the stuff. that uh, Chief Flynn did. Well, okay, that would be an interesting question. Again, is this going to be another situation where Tom Barrett, who spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to get his trolley put in place, um, should he have been watching this? Should he have known stuff? If this was all in shambles, did Ed Flynn pull the wool over Tom Barrett's eyes, or was this stuff, again, that was done with Barrett's knowledge And, you know, will there be any sort of accountability at all? Or, again, will this be a situation where I I knew nothing, I was completely blindsided by this? How, How am I supposed to know when the guy that I really was the one that put in place and I was the one that stood side by side with at all these different press conferences talking about this, that, or the other thing, how was I to know how he was running the department? Will we get the potted plant defense from Tom Barrett if these allegations turn out to be true? All right, when we come back, Russians' interference, it's one thing to interfere in elections. It's another thing to start murdering citizens in other countries. Is it time to get serious about Russia? And given what is going on on the mean streets of Milwaukee, instead of talking about less guns, Would homeowners be wise to start buying more guns? We'll discuss. It's 1257. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 109, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. There's a story they used to tell about Rudy Giuliani, her former... Presidential candidate and former mayor of New York. Before he was the mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani was the US attorney for the Southern District of New York, represented, you know, New York City and all. And and Rudy Giuliani is a federal prosecutor, that's where he made his name, and he was um he was renowned as this guy who cracks down on drug dealers and mobsters and things like that. There's there's a story they used to tell about Rudy Giuliani that he's at this press conference and he, he, he's not the guy that's actually handling the cases. He runs the office, but he's doing the press conference because he was one of these guys that does the press conference. And they've seized a whole bunch of drugs, a whole bunch of cocaine. And, and he's standing there and he's answering questions. And he's got the, the guy who's actually the prosecutor there. And one of the people in the media stands up and says, well, how, how much was all this cocaine worth? And Giuliani kind of turns and puts his hand over the microphone and turns to the guy who's actually handling the case and says, how much was the guy worth? How much was the cocaine worth? And the guy says, about a million and a half dollars, which was a ton, would have been a ton of money. It's about a million and a half dollars. Rudy Giuliani turns back five million, (laughs) you know, and, and that's that's kind of the way he sort of operated, which is, well, you know, the facts are these, what's Al Gore's phrase, these kind of inconvenient truths, you know, and if if it's 1.5, well, say five, that's what they'll print, and then we'll we'll go from there. Um, there's a lot of people like that, um, including, uh, apparently, the President of the United States. I want to tell you the story, and then my question is going to be, Is this is this just Trump being Trump, or is it... A bigger deal. Um, President Trump, of course, and you may disagree with me on this, he's decided that, you know, trade wars are good things. And he's decided that, you know, America is getting essentially messed over by pretty much every country in the world when it comes to trade deals. And so what we need to do is we need to impose tariffs. And it doesn't matter if we're going to punish our friends and our allies or our enemies. We need to impose tariffs. And if these other countries respond by sticking sticking their own tariffs on Wisconsin Cranberries or Harley-Davidson motorcycles or Kentucky bourbon, well, you know, who who cares that that's okay because trade wars are easy to win. Now, that's, that's not a conservative philosophy as a general rule. That's certainly not the free trade policy that um, at least the Republican Party has embraced over the years, but that's kind of where we are. So here's the story that's breaking today: President Trump is at a fundraiser um, the other day for in in Missouri, where he's raising money for the candidate who is going to challenge uh, Democrat Claire McCas- McCaskill. So he's in there doing this 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 thing this. He's a fundraiser. This happened the other night, so he's not on. He's not on a teleprompter. It's one of the kind of classic. Let's have you know. Trump gives his speeches. You know, this is just kind of. We're going to start telling stuff off the top of our head, etc. So, in this fundraising, in this speech, to this fundraiser, this is the way the Washington Post reports it. You know, President Trump said he boasted that he made up information in a meeting with the top U.S. ally, the leader of Canada, by telling that the Canadian prime minister is a liberal named Justin Trudeau. He said he insisted that the United States runs a trade deficit with Canada without knowing whether it's true or not. This is what he says. Trudeau came to see me. He's a good guy, Justin. He said, no, no, we have no trade deficit with you. We have none. Uh, Trump. Uh, apparently on the tape he said then the guy says donald please trump said mimicking trudeau according to the audio nice guy good looking guy comes in donald we have no trade deficit he's very proud because everybody else you know knows we're getting killed so he's proud and i said wrong justin you do i didn't even know i had no idea i just said you're wrong you know why because we're so stupid and I thought they were smart. And I said, you're wrong, Justin. He said, no, we have no trade deficit. I said, well, in that case, I feel differently, but I don't believe it. I sent one of my guys out, uh, his guy, my guy, you know, they came out. I said, check, because I can't believe it, Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he's boasting about how he just kind of, you know, made made up this this claim that he says to the Canadian prime minister, well, the facts are that um, the United States actually doesn't have a trade deficit with Canada. It has a $12.1 billion trade surplus with Canada from 2016. Um, all right, so Trump is saying, well, I, I, I told him that, you know, we don't have this. I didn't know one way or the other, but I was insisting that he was wrong. Um now after this report is out there the president is saying we do have a trade deficit with Canada as we do with almost all countries some of them massive um you have facts and then you have the the president apparently going into this meeting with the Canadian prime minister and without knowing the facts you know insisting that no this is the case you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong and still apparently refusing to acknowledge that Canada is at least one of those places where we do run a trade surplus. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acinet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this just Trump being Trump? Who cares? Yeah, it's kind of blustery. He's a shoot-from-the-hip kind of guy. This is just the way he is. Is that this, or is this something more troubling, the fact that you you have a president who apparently is fully prepared to get us into trade wars, not just with places like China, but with allies of of ours who have been good trade partners over the years, um, willing to do that, and apparently is willing to do it without really knowing whether or not... What what the real facts of the matter are. 414 1620 That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. And, and I understand that for, for some people, President Trump can absolutely do no wrong. I'm one of these guys who said, you know, I, in general, I, I support the substance of a lot of the things he's doing, but I find the style to be troubling. And I guess I will tell you, I find it to be more than a little troubling that you go into a, a meeting with one of our top allies, Canada, talking about a significant issue like trade policy, and number one, you don't know what the facts are, and number two, you kind of, knowing that you don't know what the facts are, you dig in and just insist that the guy who apparently does know what the facts are is wrong. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. 1620 I mean, is this a good negotiating tactic, or is it sort of troubling that you have apparently the president of the United States who again i understand he shoots from the hip but do you want do you want somebody shooting from the hip when they're in meetings with our top allies 4147991620 and my answer would be i just don't know that that's the way if if you're going to get us into a trade war you should know what you're talking about before you do that 4147991620 it's 117 jeff wagner wtmj 119, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And this is it, as somebody who has tried to be open-minded about President Trump and who has supported the policies that I agree with. I, I, this, I will tell you, this is the stuff that I, I think everybody needs to recognize It is, is a problem. It's this shoot-from-the-hip type of style where it, it's one thing if you want to talk tough, I guess, when you're, you're dealing with our enemies. It's another thing if you want to talk tough with our allies, our trading partners, um, people who countries that have been with us for forever. It's one thing if you want to talk tough with them, but if you're going to do it, shouldn't you at least know what it is that you're talking about? And that's one of the reasons I find this to be just an incredibly troubling story. And I understand some people want to just kind of stick their fingers in their ears and say, no, 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 don't say bad stuff about Trump. Well, okay, you go into a meeting with the Canadian prime minister. You are talking about starting a trade war with Canada, one of our big trading partners. Okay, fine. You tell the prime minister of Canada, well, one of the reasons we've got to do this is because you've been taking advantage of us, and you know you're running a huge trade surplus. And the prime minister says, "Well, no, we're we're not running a huge surplus." And the president, "Yes, you are." And then he apparently brags at a fundraiser about he didn't know one way or the other whether there was a trade surplus, but he just insisted, "Yeah, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right." And trying to get the guy to back down. Well. I mean we don't have a trade surplus we, we have a trade surplus with Canada. Actually, you know, we apparently export more than we import. Um, and this is you know, and it's one of those things where you know you're you're entitled to your own opinions, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Every once in a while, I get an email from somebody or a text saying, "Well, you've got your facts wrong. And my response is always, okay, tell me what about my facts are wrong?" Now you can disagree with the conclusions that I draw from the facts but and and mostly that's it they just don't like my interpretation of the facts but i mean this is a fact either we have a trade surplus with canada or we don't and the president apparently decided without even knowing that he was going to assert that hey you know canada you're taking advantage of us and the prime minister who apparently knew better said no and the president no 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 and and then he brags about number one not knowing And then, number two, when he makes these statements that turn out to be wrong, he refuses to acknowledge that that he's wrong. Anna in Shorewood. Anna, you're on WTMJ.
6: Hi. I have two questions about this when I heard you talking about it. My first question was, is this a sign that the president has some sort of cognitive decline going on? You're never going to be able to prove that. I mean, his doctor, his Medical doctor said that his health was good and his mental status was good, but my second issue with this whole thing is is with the firing and the and the uh, of, of key personnel. Mm-hmm. What is his communication style with these different people, and does he even you know does he even connect connect or talk to these people? He should have had a person at that meeting. Who had some some background information on all this? Well, thing. yeah, you
0: would you would think, Hannah, that you know if I mean I don't know if I was the president of the United States and I was going into a meeting with my counterpart from Canada and the subject of the meeting was going to be I don't know trade and tariffs, I would know whether or not there was a surplus or not. I bet that's that's a pretty basic thing. You're not too deep in the weeds. You don't have to be too much of a policy wonk to figure that out. I I I think what's going on is I think. You, we have a president who just, I mean, he uses the, he resents the word chaos, but I think he thrives in chaotic situations. He likes to pit aides against each other. He's very, very brash. He's used to just, I'm going to use the word bullying. You know, he's used to just, you know, saying stuff and refusing to back down and blasting ahead. And that might work real well sometimes, but I, if we're going to get into trade wars, I'd like us to be a little more considered about that.
6: Right, I guess I don't understand. You know, Canada is one of our chief allies. Probably, Canada and England are two of our chief allies. And to get into a trade a, a, a trade war with Canada, I, 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 I just don't get it. It seems like you, instead of building consensus and unity among our allies, he just seems to always want to be the top dog and prove and, and embarrass. Right the uh, whoever he's meeting
0: with i just don't understand i I don't know you know it's one thing if you're dealing with the the tin pot dictator from north korea and you've decided okay we we have as a matter of policy for the last 16 years we've engaged in appeasement that hasn't worked so i'm going to talk tough i'm going to be bellicose i i get that i don't get doing that with our allies no thanks thanks for the call and i guess it's, and I understand, like I say, there's some people that just I believe that President Trump can do no wrong. I just, I always try to relate this to your personal life. And if you have a business partner, somebody that you've got a business association with, or somebody that you work with and you depend on the exchange of information, and it turns out that they're, you know, Bragging about how you know they're making statements and they don't know what they're talking about, and they're trying to get you to back down. That doesn't. I mean, next time around, um, you're probably going to view them with skepticism. Just saying. It's one twenty-five. This is Jeff Wagner, W T M J. When we come back, a follow-up on something we talked about about a week ago, and it is good news for a Thursday afternoon. Stick around. It's one twenty-five. 128, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Spring training rolls on as your Milwaukee Brewers get set to face off against the Central Division rival Cincinnati Reds. Bob Eucher is back in the booth as the crew gets set for the first pitch. You can hear it all. 2.55 tomorrow right here on WTMJ. Brewers opening day. They open on the road in San Diego this year. It is two weeks from today insight 2018 at the country springs hotel is two weeks from yesterday tickets are on sale now at uh, just go to wtmj.com 25 bucks a piece the ticket sales have been robust we've got a great lineup this year particularly appropriate for an election year and We've been going through all the final plans and stuff, very much looking forward to it. Our headliner is a one-on-one opportunity for you to see Governor Scott Walker up close and personal. And we're going to talk about the last eight years and what he anticipates for the next four years. In an extended sort of interview setting, an intimate setting. Um, and that's one of the things that should be a lot of fun. So come on out. It's $25. Um, we, we tape it and then we will be broadcasting Insight over the next two to two following days, um, two weeks from today and also into Friday as well. So hope to see you at the Country Springs Hotel. If you want to make it easy, if you text me the word Insight, I N S I G H T, to 414 which is the Accunate Mortgage talk and text line, I'll send you a link to make it easy for you to get tickets to Insight 2018 presented by our friends at Annex Wealth Management. Okay, I promised you good news. A week or two ago, it was announced that the county did not have anybody to run what has been the North Point Custard stand down on the lakefront. Now, before the Bartolatas group came over and turned that into North Point Custard, that, that area on the lakefront was essentially a gang hangout. You had those two parking lots right there. You, know, you had essentially rival gangs that would set up in the different parking lots, and you had fights and all sorts of problems. That changed once Bartolotta's opened North Point Custard there. It actually became a place where families would congregate. It was great. Well, the report a couple weeks ago was that Bartolotta's was not going to be allowed to run North the, the custard stand again because the county was insisting on ridiculous rent for the location. And Bartolotta's just said, hey, we can't make money under this deal. They chose not to bid. The county didn't have anybody else that was bidding either. And so there was at least a very real prospect that unless – somebody with the county got their head out of a certain part of their anatomy, um, you would have, again, that area, nothing for people to go to, watch that area revert to what it was before you had North Point Custard. Well, apparently, county executive's office got the message, and I'm just looking at the press release now, um, the Bartolotta's Restaurant Group, they've come to a deal they will continue their partnership with Milwaukee County in 2018. Um, the opening of North Point Custard is set for Saturday, May 19th. Um, they've got all sorts of opening things. But, I mean, North Point Custard, traditional burger stand, located on Lincoln Memorial Drive, adjacent to um, Bradford Beach and Lake Michigan. Um, so good news is the county, which originally – Had very, very, I think, unreasonable demands and wasn't able to find anybody to run it. Don't know what the details of all this is other than the fact that they've worked it out and North Point Custard is coming back, and that's good for the community. It's good for Milwaukee County. It's good all around. It's 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. I know a lot of people wonder how much work is getting done today because you do have, I think, a lot of people kind of checking to see if their brackets have been busted and things like that. Um, I, I think it's all in good fun. The president of Carroll University is about to wrap up her first year on the job. She reflects on her time thus far and talks about what the school is doing to keep students safe. Tune in 621 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News with Gene Miller. All right. I want to tell you the tale of, of two stories over the last couple of days in the mean streets of Milwaukee. Here, here's the first one. Um, yesterday, 1100 block of West Walker Street, about 240 in the afternoon. Homeowner hears a noise near his garage, goes out to check it out, finds somebody trying to pry open the garage door with a crowbar. So somebody trying to forcibly break into the garage. The burglar then apparently, this is the story, attempted to attack the resident who pulled out a gun and shot the burglar. The burglar fled on foot. It is not known whether he was hit. The investigation is ongoing. So, I mean, all we have the story is somebody with a crowbar trying to forcibly break into somebody's house. Um, the homeowner confronts him. He is armed. He chases him off, fires a shot. His story is the burglar tried to attack him, presumably with the the crowbar. All right. So then you've got that story. Another story, and uh, Fox 6 had this. This comes from Saturday. Um And, and this is... This is a chilling sort of story because it's finding somebody trying to break into your house in the middle of the afternoon, like happened yesterday, has to be a horrifying situation. Being at home with your child and knowing somebody has broken into your house, that's got to be as scary as it gets. Um, This is the way Fox 6 reported it. Milwaukee police say they're investigating a report of a burglary while armed one that was captured by multiple surveillance cameras. Officials say they responded to a home in the neighborhood near 35th and Manitoba around 10.20 p.m. at night on Saturday. Three unknown suspects, all armed, broke into a home and stole several electronics. So there's surveillance cameras throughout the home. You can see what it was that happens. Um, the, The woman who was at home, um, saw this. Apparently, home surveillance cameras caught one of the guys kicking in the door. She says um, she heard a loud noise. Her son, 12 years old, heard the noise, too, It was on the couch, jumped up and ran upstairs. The mom says, I saw him come running into my room saying, Mom, somebody is breaking into the house. I'm like, oh, my God, he's not joking. I saw it in his eyes. The suspects, with guns drawn, entered the home and started rummaging around for valuables. Um, the mom says, well, what we did is um, we locked the door. So they locked themselves in the bedroom. My son is on the phone with the police saying somebody's on uh, in the house. We need help. Trapped, huddled in her room with her little dog barking hysterically. She then starts making plans to escape. She says, okay, if they break into the room, we're going to have to jump out the second floor window in order to save ourselves um, she says they tried to make it up the stairs, but they stopped. Um, we were already standing at the window, getting ready to jump out the window. But all of a sudden, um, the back door opened and, and we saw them, them flee. So here you have this woman that's home. It's 1020 at night. She's there with her 12-year-old son and their little dog. And you have these three armed invaders that boot in the door and start looting the, the house. Um, the lady is sitting there saying, you know, we're, we're thinking about all these what ifs. You know, if they would have made it upstairs, anything would, would ha- could have happened. We're, we have that feeling. Is this how it's all going to end? Um, you know, and, and there is this frustration. Now you will remember a year or two ago, former Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark got all sorts of criticism for running public service announcements where he said, look, um, you as a homeowner, Need to consider taking steps to protect yourself. Because the truth is, you can call 911 and the police aren't going to be able to get there fast enough. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's not an indictment of the police. It's just a reality that you know, when somebody's in your house by the time you call 911 and by the time we get somebody dispatched, that's not necessarily going to be time enough to stop bad things from happening. In this particular say situation, now thankfully, I mean the people weren't hurt. The woman and her son, they're in the bedroom and for whatever reason the thieves, maybe because they heard the barking dog or whatever, they just loot the first floor and then run out the back. But you couple this story with the story that from yesterday where you have the guy who catches the person using a crowbar trying to break into his garage in broad daylight, and he's able to chase him off by using a firearm. And I guess this is what I keep coming back with. And I it, it's not a call for vigilantism, but given all the violent crime that is out there and given the fact that for whatever reasons, whether it's, Uh, A failure of the court system, a failure of the prosecutors, an inability to stop repeat criminals, the tendency that people have around here to commit crimes. I guess the question becomes, would we be safer if more people did what the guy did yesterday, make the decision to have guns around the house, know how to use those guns, and be prepared to defend themselves? 414-799-1620. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, like I say, for whatever reason, these three masked intruders on Saturday night stopped, didn't go upstairs. They satisfied themselves with just looting, looting the first floor. But if they went upstairs, this woman was going to be faced with the choice of either trying to jump off a second out of a second floor window to try to get away or God knows what would have happened four one four seven nine nine one six twenty that's the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think candidly you listen to these different situations and it's not a call for vigilanteism, but it's one of these things where I think people need to think through their self defense measures. And honestly, if people are comfortable with firearms, this might be occasions where, yeah, you want to have a gun. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Back with your calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 143 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Belinda, do you have something?
2: I do. We have some breaking news we want to tell you about right now. Um, We told you about that uh, bridge collapse at uh, a college in Miami in Florida. We're now learning that several people may have died in this. It's a pedestrian bridge. It was a 950 ton bridge that went up on Saturday, lowered into its final position that same day, went collapsing today and now several people are reported dead. We will keep you updated on this developing story as more details become available. WTMJ News Time one forty four.
1: I get everything I need from WTMJ. Breaking news,
2: traffic, and weather.
5: That's
1: what
3: I tune in for. Wisconsin's radio station, WTMJ.
0: Let's talk for a minute about my pillow. I have been telling you for the longest time. My pillow kind of changed the way I sleep. I tried all sorts of different things and nothing worked. Then I found My Pillow and my sleep trouble, my tossing, my turning, my neck trouble it went away. My pillow is not some fad or gimmicky product. My pillow works and if you care about getting a good night's sleep, you need to buy one now. The folks at My Pillow are so sure that you will be satisfied, they offer a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money back guarantee. So here's what you do. Go to their website. It's mypillow.com. What you'll see is something that says 4-Pack Special. This is the current deal that they're offering, and it's great. Click on 4-Pack Special. They're going to ask you for the promo code. The promo code is Wagner, my last name. You can get 50% off two MyPillow Premium pillows and two of their Go Anywhere pillows. If you don't want to do that on the website, you just want to call up, that's no problem either. Their number is 800-953-4163. But regardless... My goal is to get everybody sleeping on a MyPillow because you will, in fact, at least in my opinion, sleep better. It isn't a a fad. It's not a gimmicky product. I think it works. To get this unbelievable offer, once again, go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, use the promo code Wagner. The only thing you have to lose is another sleepless night. 148 Jeff Wagner WTMJ I admit both these stories just kind of just went through me particularly the one the woman who's at home with her 12 year old son on Saturday night three people bust in masked, carrying guns at 10 20 at night they start looting the first floor she's hiding upstairs while she's upstairs locked in the bedroom with her son and their barking dog and You know, she's called 911, but the police aren't – I mean, and I'm not faulting the police there. You've got three people that are in the house under these circumstances. They can't get there fast enough to necessarily make the risk go away. Would she have been better off if she had a a firearm? And I'm I'm telling you, it's a situation like that that says, man, if that lady had a shotgun and she knew how to use that shotgun, well, I don't know if it would have made any difference, but if those three bad guys started coming through the door, well, I – maybe just maybe she would have been better off let's talk to mike on the northwest side mike you're on wtmj
4: hey good afternoon Jeff. Hi, mike. i agree with you a hundred percent i want to be on the level playing field with the uh assailants and if that means having a weapon in the house i think that's appropriate and i think that uh the more people that either say they have or don't have them uh, even if they don't have them it might have people thinking I shouldn't be able to uh, invade some house and uh, right. rob people and whatever.
0: Right, and again, and, and I'm not that I'm arguing that this woman should necessarily have confronted these robbers, and all's well, I guess, that ends well. But, I mean, I'm picturing her, if her choice is, if these guys come up the stairs and they kick in this door, it's either jumping out of a second floor window or, in you know, defending myself. It might have been nice if she at least had that option to, again, defend herself in a fashion, and it might have made the thugs think differently. I
4: think
0: that's me. Yeah. Right now. Thanks for calling and again. But and and part of this is driven by just how brazen criminals have become around here. Whether it's the, you know, carjackings in broad daylight, um or the the home invasions. I mean, for whatever reasons you know, crime is out of control, and I understand there's some people who just, again, want to stick their fingers in their ears and not hear that. No, 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 don't don't say that. But, I mean, this is just the reality that is going on. Let's talk to Carlos in Sheboygan. Carlos, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
3: Hello. How are we doing today, sir?
0: I'm well, thank you, sir. What do you think?
3: Uh, I would say 100% agree with that. You know, uh, if you get something like that and you call the police, this is the way I look it up. Uh, they tell you your call will be answered, uh, you know, as received. Um, we're going to put you on the waiting list. <laughs> but my problem is this. Um, if you are a you know, because they got no officers available at that time. There's no one that can help you at all. But if somebody goes to a Walgreens or the corner store and try to rob them, the $50 that they got at their register, in uh, less than five minutes, you got up to 4 or 5 a squat on a corner where do they come out with those from they yeah. weren't there when you call <laughs> i mean i gotta hope
4: i mean you can look at my point
0: yeah oh I mean, oh no no they, carlos no carlos thanks for the call no I, I i mean i again i i i understand and i the, I don't want to turn this into a, a a rip on police and response time because i i i understand that the the problem is crime i understand tom barrett says the city is safe Tom Barrett is smoking something when he makes those claims. There are parts of the city that are very safe. You know, the immediate downtown area and some of, and there, there are parts of the city that are very safe. And then there are parts of the city of Milwaukee that are nothing short of a war zone. And for the people who live in those areas that are nothing short of a war zone, well, I, I understand that police do the very best they can. But, you know, if you're responding from call to call to call, but regardless, it's when somebody is in your house, It's 1030 at night. You're kind of upstairs sleeping, your kids on the couch. And all of a sudden, boom, that door gets kicked in and there's three guys with masks. And what's particularly scary about this story is that there's video cameras. So you kind of see the video. There's three armed guys with masks who are running through, looting your house, stealing electronic stuff. Well, okay, you, you dial 911. Doesn't matter the, the police. We don't have transporters. I mean, the police by the time they get the call and they get there, that that's minutes that are going by. And, and yeah, these are one of the reasons why I think it, this is why citizens decide to arm themselves. Let's talk to uh, Jim in Kenosha. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you doing today? I am well, thank you. This is, it's a scary story, though. It's just scary. It is. Um,
4: I'm
3: I'm a gun owner. Being a hunter um, and I look at my hunting gun for self defense in my home, I'm not going to fire my 30 odd six or my 30 30 because I have a neighbor's house that is right on top of me. So I, I went out and bought a 12 gauge home defense semi automatic shotgun.
5: Uh huh.
3: Um, you know, God forbid, I hope I never have to use it. Uh, I'm, you know, well trained uh, on, on gun safety. But it is just frightening. I mean, even in Kenosha, the Pleasant Prairie area, there was home invasions going on in the middle of the day. uh,
0: Right. Oh, no, that's it. And, and again, look, I'm not encouraging people to get guns if you don't know how to use them. But at the same time, I understand why people want to arm themselves. And quite candidly, Jim, as you know, there's nothing more distinctive than the sound of a shotgun being racked. <laughs> you know, it's just, well, just, yeah.
3: just just looking at this bad boy that I got. It, it's just intimidating looking. Just, just looking at it, and you know, of course, I'm not going to keep my granddaughter's coming over. It's unloaded, right? Sure, but you know, if it's just my wife and I at the house, we both know how to use it, it's, right. It's
0: there. We both know where it is. Well, well, exactly. And th- this isn't saying you don't. I am not advocating that people don't call the cops and they don't take these matters in their own hands. But I mean, what I mean, look at the guy yesterday. He, he hears he hears noise, so he goes to investigate. It's two forty in the afternoon, and you've got somebody with a crowbar trying to force their way into the guy's house. Well, you've now confronted the bad guy. You know, it's not a situation where you can, you know, call nine one one. You either flee. Or you confront him. In this case, the guy confronted him, and he's lucky he had a gun because he shot and he scared the robber off and maybe hit him. Yeah. That's yeah. No, thanks. To worth God. the gun. It, it is. No, thank, thanks for call. It, it, it is exactly that. And these are the stories that underscore that. Okay, I have to take a quick break. When we come back, Russian interference in the election and a controversy of all places at IHOP. Stick around, I'll tell you about it. It's an interesting story. 155, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 157, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two passings uh, to note. Uh, Lee Holloway, who was um, Milwaukee County Board Chairman for a while, who was, he was a character, um, passed away in his early 70s. And then uh, William Callow, Bill Callow, who was on the state Supreme Court um, he was a Waukesha Circuit Judge. He was a DA in Waukesha. He uh, won was on the Supreme Court. First elected in 77, re-elected in 1987, retired from the state Supreme Court in 1992. I got to know Bill Callow um, really starting in 80, 82, 83. My late wife was a clerk for the chief justice of the state Supreme Court, and I got to know Bill Callow. He was just an outstanding man. He passed away um, at the age of 96. Lee Holloway passed away at the age of 71, 72. Um, all, all were larger-than-life characters, no question about it. It's 158, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And I'm Jeff Wagner. It is 207. Yeah, Insight Tickets on sale now, WTMJ.com. If you text me the word Insight, not Insight 2018, just Insight, I will send you a link to that, 414-799-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Ticket sales have been robust. We're going to have a lot of fun. All right, crew. who's producing the show today? Belinda and I have a question for you. All right, this, this is like a, it's a two-part trivia question. Today is March 15th. Do you know what March fifteenth is also known as? No, you don't. Oh, Belinda, I would. I told. I said I thought he was going to get this. Oh, you did. I did. I was pulling for you. You let me down. <laughs> all right. March fifteenth is also known as the Ides of March. Okay. Now, if you've heard of the Ides of March, okay. So, all right. Now, now here is the second part. Even though you flunked the first part, we'll give you a chance for the second part. Do you know where the phrase "beware the ides of march" comes from? It comes from Julius Caesar. And and why? What what is That's when he was killed. Absolutely. All right. So See, you redeemed you your, part He too? redeemed himself. <laughs> a- absolutely. Yes. Um <laughs> today is March 15th, um which that is the ides of march and the the "beware the ides of march" goes back to uh Shakespeare tragedy Julius Caesar, which he wrote in 1599, and it, it's the warning in the play. The soothsayer comes up and says, "Beware the Ides of March," um, and of course, the Ides of March was when he was killed. So there. All right. Now I, I bring this up because the Ides of March. Um, I, I understand that you know spring doesn't officially descend for you know a couple weeks yet. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, you've got the NCAA basketball tournament starting. We we are we are in spring. And what spring around here means is along with the Ides of March, you've got the NCAA basketball tournament, you've got pothole season, and of course you have panhandler season. And I I I just today this this over okay, today is Thursday. This happened Tuesday and Thursday, happened today. Now, I, I typically nowadays, a lot of times when, when I come into work, I will take the freeway. So I'll be driving south on I-43. I, I will get off on Capitol Drive. And what happens is the freeway exit dumps off into onto Green Bay Avenue. So you get off of the Capitol Drive exit. You go down, you hit a stoplight. And then you, you kind of turn, you wind onto Green Bay Avenue, you go a block and a half, you make a left turn, and then you come to the station on Capitol Drive. Similarly, when you are leaving, um, if I want to get on the freeway going south, I go west from our station, down Capitol Drive, you get to Green Bay Avenue, and then you go right, so you go north, and then what happens is you go through, the, this. The, you get onto the freeway ramp, two lanes, there's a... Red light, there's a green light, and then you, you head south, right? So I, I travel that. Two days ago, I was heading south. Now, it is it is not uncommon. Matter of fact, for whatever reason, these intersections, the Green Bay and Capitol, are areas where panhandlers hang out. It is frequently panhandler center, central, to the point that you will have three or four people bumming money on on these given corners which is all all well and good you have people violating the law standing on the median strips begging money All right. well what I have noticed is that the panhandlers have gotten more aggressive this happened this morning and it happened Tuesday so this morning I'm driving on 43 I get off I'm heading south so I'm gonna go up to uh, stoplights and then you're gonna dump off onto Green Bay so there's people getting off the freeway. There is a bum. I know some people don't like the term bum. There is a panhandler. There is a person begging money who is not standing on the median strips. He rather is standing in traffic on the, the dividing line. There's you know two lanes. He's standing in the middle of the two lanes as cars are whizzing by begging money. Now I I'm watching this thinking it is a miracle that this guy doesn't get get hurt or killed or whatever. And if somebody were to stop to try to give him money, what they're going to guarantee is they're going to guarantee that they are going to get rear-ended because, you know, the people getting off the freeway aren't going to expect that there's somebody who stopped waiting to give some panhandler money. Now, this is the second time this has happened because Tuesday when I was, again, getting on the freeway, this time to go south, I don't know if it was the same guy, but he was – someone was doing the same thing, standing in the middle of traffic on the dividing lane between the two lanes as people are getting onto the freeway, again, trying to panhandle money. And like this morning, the guy comes up. He's kind of like walking past my car like I, I think – he thinks I'm going to give him money. and And – I actually this was one I kind of roll down the window as I see this I said get out of the road but of course he doesn't get out of the road so it's not only pothole season But it's more aggressive panhandling season. Now, in Milwaukee, there is an ordinance which prohibits people from bumming money in the road. There's also an ordinance that prohibits people from bumming money on these median strips and things like that. You can do it on the sidewalk, but you can't do it on the median strips. And you sure as heck can't do it in the middle of the road. And yet, I think I've seen more of this in the last couple weeks than I have in a long time. 414-799-1620. That is the ACUNET mortgage talk and text line. Look, I understand the police have a lot to do, and I get that the court system is crowded, but from number one, a quality of life perspective, and number two, a public safety perspective, we cannot have people standing, stopping traffic, wandering um, again, down the middle of streets, whether it's freeway on ramps or freeway off ramps, because sooner or later, one of these guys is going to get hit, or it's going to cause an accident because somebody else is going to get hit. It's going to cause a collision. 414-799-1620, that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. I get that there's all sorts of problems out there, and we were talking about home invasions and crime and carjackings and things like that. But the city of Milwaukee, at least in my opinion, cannot allow itself to be overrun by bums who decide that they can position themselves in the middle of roads in an effort to try to get money. And I mean they gotta be arrested. They they just have to be. And if people don't see this as a problem, Mark my words, you're going to have collisions, you're going to have accidents, and I am seeing more of this now than I ever had. And I will tell you, twice in the last two days, twice in the last three days, um, watching a guy walk down the middle of the freeway on-ramp or off-ramp, holding a sign, begging money. And you know, he's doing it all day. It's not just those... That, you know, one minute when I'm getting off the freeway in the morning and the one minute when I'm getting back on the freeway at night. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It seems to me the panhandlers are out in full force, and it seems to me the city, from a quality of life and a public safety perspective, has to start cracking down on this. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Grew is lining up the phone calls. 216, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two eighteen, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Yeah, it's pothole season. It's also panhandler season. Tom in Brookfield. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Oh, Jeff, how I, are you? I am well, thank you. I'm glad I didn't hit this guy who was walking in traffic begging money today.
3: Yep, it's a common occurrence down there. Don't roll the window down. Whatever you do, huh. I'm a. I've been doing this for many years, and they'll you know they'll come through your car, knock on the window. You know, and we've had employees almost get carjacked. You know, they'll grab you out of the
0: car. Mm. So you're, you, you, you I mean, well, again, look, I. It's. I mean, I understand. It's one thing to sit on the sidewalk, but now the thing I am noticing is that the bums are getting much more aggressive. To the point that you know you're in, you're walking in traffic lanes as people are getting off the freeway. I, I guess it, it's like sooner or later somebody's going to get hit, and you know, then there's going to be the lawsuits and stuff. People need to. They, we need to get these guys, and they need to make them stay off out of the road.
3: Yeah, I'm agreeing with you, and they're in a way of traffic, especially on Capitol Drive. Oh. Just I've been doing it for many, many, many years, and, but again, please, don't roll the window down. Right. And, and people are scared when they come to these corners, you know. Oh, something.
0: yeah, because, because they'll, they'll come up, and they'll bang on the windows and ask for money. No, thanks to God. The other message is, for the love of God, and see, this is what the city of Milwaukee says. Don't give these people money. All right, that that's you don't know what the person's story is. You don't know, you know, whether or not the person's gonna take the money and then go spend it on booze or dope or whether they've got a Cadillac parked or a Audi parked, you know, three or four blocks away and this is just their scam they're running. You know, the city of Milwaukee is saying don't give money to the panhandlers. Because it contributes to all these various problems. And the truth is, if we didn't give money to people, they wouldn't be out there playing in traffic and things of the like. If you want to make donations, great. Now, support your local food bank or rescue mission or, or whatever. I mean, you'll give $50 there instead of $2 to somebody who's standing in traffic begging money. Paul in Milwaukee. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Jeff, thank you for
3: taking my call. Sure. I'm glad you brought this up. It's, uh, I'm a delivery driver in the local area. I'm at that intersection six, ten times a day. I drive in this city all the time. They're getting so aggressive, it's getting terrible. On top of that, I had contacted the alderman with two letters. I had gotten no response. I was one day at the stoplight, I had a police officer next to me, and I asked him, I said, can't you do anything about this? And he says, I don't know what to do. And he yeah. just closed his window on me. It's <laughs> it's frustrating. They cut right in between two vehicles. They yeah. It, it's ugly. It's ugly.
0: Well, no, that that's and I mean it, it's bad enough. And it's against the law, too, to to stand on the median strips and, and panhandle. That's bad enough. But what I'm now seeing is these guys are walking up and down the streets, again, in the dividing lane, as people are getting off the freeway. Well, I mean, you don't expect to see somebody in the street as you're getting off the freeway. And it's going to lead to collisions. It's going to lead to people getting hurt, not the least of which is perhaps the bum. It's a quality of life thing. City's got to crack down on it. Let's spend some time doing that instead of worrying about the stupid trolley. For goodness' sakes,
3: Jeff, they have a schedule. I don't know if you've noticed, but they will actually do turns at ten o'clock, one o'clock, and they will kick each other off of the corners. It's a job for them.
0: The shift, so it, right, right, so it's oh, kind yeah. of like
3: <laughs> you can see them. They actually get vulgar with each other, and though, this was my corner. <sighs> <laughs> Somebody I, should sit there. Somebody should sit there for six hours one day, and you would see exactly the rotation that goes on. Well,
0: you know, and what I, I would I love, you know, what I would love, Paul, and I've been urging this for years. You know, every you know three or four times a year, you know, when TVs and ratings they do these sweeps. I would love to see somebody with a hidden camera follow some of these guys and see what exactly is going on. You know, where do they go after they've been begging money? Do they go to the homeless shelter or do they go, like I say, get in? to a car, change their clothes, and drive to their house because they figure that this is just an easier way to make money, not pay taxes, than you know than working for a living.
3: Look at their clothing. Look at their shoes. Some of the guys wear nicer shoes than I wear, and I work 50 hours a week.
0: <laughs> Thanks for the call. Well, again, this is one of the reasons why I get up on my soapbox on this, and I always get these emails, oh, you sound like this heartless guy. No, I'm not against giving to charities, but you'll get... First of all, make sure you're not being scammed. When you just give money to somebody wandering down the middle of the road, you you don't know what that person is going to do with the money. You don't know if you are being ripped off. And even if it is a person that's down on a luck, you don't know what they're going to do with that dough. You don't know, um is this going to go to buy booze or heroin or whatever? I mean, give your money, and this is what the city of Milwaukee says too, give your money to a food bank, give it to an established charity. At least then you know that it is going to be used for your intended purpose. Got a text here. As a fairly young female and country girl, having to drive into Milwaukee for occasional meetings for work, this scares the heck out of me. And I try to get out of these meetings as much as, you know, possible. Um, let's see. Tony from Milwaukee. The city of Milwaukee had signs up saying, don't support panhandling. But the panhandlers took them back down because um, some people found them to be offensive. I mean, you know, seriously. Seriously. Uh, Let's talk to Kate in Pewaukee. Kate, you're on WTMJ.
1: Hi there. Um, I'm so happy you could take my call. Sure. Um, I'm actually from New York um, and uh, Connecticut, uh, transplanted here, but I've never encountered the amount of um, bums or people panhandling the way I have here. I mean, they are... Okay, wait, you're um, from
0: New York and you're telling mm -hmm. me it's worse here than in New York? Ooh.
1: They are audacious. Well, that's because we've cracked down on it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I don't think we should start off arresting the people because they'll be held for 24 hours and then put back out. Um, But let's start getting police out there and patrolling and sweeping the people off these medians and sidewalks um, as opposed to, you know, costing us more money, putting them in jail, booking them. They're obviously homeless.
0: Well, and you say, obviously, Kate, I'm not sure about that. I mean, see, I think that there is at least a subset of these people. This is just, this is what they do for a living because it's easier than, than working at a job.
1: Yeah, and that angers me a lot. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I, I am not one for m- moochers or give me what you can give me. Um, I work really hard. But, um, no. and I agree with you, either give your money to a, a charity, a local charity, right. or I used to buy, pass this old guy on my way to work when I was in New York, and I would buy him a dollar hamburger at oh. McDonald's because I knew where my money was going. Right, yeah,
0: you you had you had adopted a panel. How long have you, uh, how long have you been in Wisconsin?
1: Just about a year and a half.
0: How do you, do you like it?
1: Oh, um, it's wonderful. Good. You guys have a wonderful state out here. I love where I live. Um, good.
0: That's good to hear. Yeah, Welcome.
1: Thank you very much. And Welcome. I enjoy your show a lot. So <laughs> well, that's you very, a great job.
0: <laughs> that's very kind of you, too, Kate. Thank, thanks a lot. That says something. You're panhandling worse here than in New York City. huh? It's 226. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. It is less than two weeks away from Insight 2018. Tickets sales are robust. The event brings together newsmakers and notables sharing what's happening statewide in the heat of the election season. Reserve your tickets now. You don't want to be shut out. It's going to be a fun event. Um, I'm already starting to put together some of the questions I intend to ask the guests, people who have been to Insight in the past. I think everybody's gone away saying, oh, that was kind of a great experience, a lot of fun. It's your chance to see newsmakers in a more intimate setting than perhaps you'll ever get the opportunity to do. Reserve your tickets now for your chance to see VIPs like Governor Scott Walker. Go to WTMJ.com or Make it even easier. Simply text the word INSIGHT, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, to four one four seven nine nine one six twenty, and I hope to see you there. It's uh, two weeks from yesterday, two weeks from today, Brewers opening uh, season for the, the, I've been saying this before, the, the wisdom of the Major League Baseball schedule makers, the Brewers who play in a, under the roof in a dome um, at Miller Park, a retractable roof, They're opening in San Diego, um, of of all places. So they go to San Diego and then come back for opening day the following Monday against St. Louis. And we have our opening day broadcast as well. A lot of fun. All right. This is an interesting story, and I want to get your reaction to it. Um, International House of Pancakes. Groove's producing the show. You're You're an IHOP fan? No, you don't like IHOP. Who doesn't like IHOPs? Huh. My producer does not like IHOPs. Well, well well, okay, well yeah, you'll make your own pancakes. Well that's great. But if you're not, you know, in an opportunity to anyways, I, I, I kinda like IHOPs. You know, I don't I, I tend to prefer like the non chain places, but I've been to IHOPs before. Anyhow, there there's there's an IHOP in a town in Maine, and they have been having this restaurant has been having a problem with particularly teenagers, who will come in and do what I would describe as dining and dashing. They will order food, and then they just take off without paying. And it has been a recurring problem. Now, I don't know what the policy is. There are some restaurants that take the policy that if if the customer skips out on the bill It's coming out of the check of the waiter or the waitress. Now, I don't know if this IHOP does this or not, but, but it has been a, it has been a problem with young people in particular, teenagers, what doing what I'm called dining and dashing. So what happens is, um, the other day you have a group of teenagers who come in, they sit down at the IHOP and they get ready to order. The waitress says to them, okay, fine, I'm going to need you to prepay. All right, I'm going to need you to pay up front because the waitress is concerned that the kids, like other kids, are going to run out. Now, they haven't done that, but she asks them to prepay. There's a customer across the way who hears the waitress ask these kids to prepay. And becomes upset about this. Now, the kids that she's asking to prepay, here's the other wrinkle in this, are black. So it's four black teenagers. The waitress says, we've been having a problem with kids who come in and they eat and they run. So this is what I have started to do. Well, the woman who sees this is is offended by this, thinks that this is racist, thinks that this is unreasonable, goes on social media, posts this, and pretty soon you've got thousands and thousands of people who are coming down on the waitress in gen- in particular and the IHOP in general to the point that the IHOP immediately has to apologize. We're sorry we did this. This is awful. We promise that we will never do something like this again. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is is a policy like this, is this, is it unreasonable in your mind for a restaurant that's been having problems with people skipping out on the check, particularly young people? Would it be unreasonable for them to have a policy that says, I don't know, groups of people under 25 have to prepay? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Now I understand what's really given fuel to this is the fact that it was for African American teenagers, and I wonder along that way if this had been for white teenagers that had been asked this, you know, would it have generated as much controversy? But is is a policy like this unreasonable, particularly if the waitresses are the ones that are held accountable if somebody dines in Dash? Dashes, is it unreasonable to ask young people to prepay? four one four seven nine nine one six twenty, that is the ACUNET Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you do it for groups of people, say under the age of twenty five, do you have to do it for everybody? But what if you don't have a problem with the you know, sixty five year olds? What if you don't have a problem with them? Could you do you think it's unfair, discriminatory, all that stuff to ask, again, in this case, groups of teenagers to prepay. four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. I'll tell you how I analyze this in just a moment as well. two hundred forty one Jeff Wagner. W T M J 245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, there's this IHOP in, in Maine. It's getting all sorts of, of criticism. They've been having a problem with people, particularly teenagers, coming in, ordering food, and then skipping out on the bill. So you have four kids that come in, um, and the waitress says, I, I, you, you gotta pay in advance. Um, somebody sees this uh, and these, these four teenagers are black so then there's immediately there's the racial element there and this goes viral and the IHOP is apologizing and things like that I don't know if the waitress is on the hook if the people cut out or not I guess I, I'm more intrigued and I understand if you're going to have a policy you have to have a policy and by singling out one particular group of teenagers you leave yourself open to these complaints but just just talking about the general policy would it be unreal? reasonable for a business to say hey you know if you're under 25 we want you to prepay is it unreasonable for example i mean i'll go past convenience stores and i'll see signs up that say no more than four teenagers in the store at a time is that discriminatory 414-799-1620 let's start with john in sheboygan john hello hey hello jeff how you doing real well thank you okay is this an and again the way the waitress did it was wrong Um, but if they were to have a policy saying anybody under 25 has to prepay, would that be unreasonable?
3: No, Jeff, I'll tell you what. I've owned a small business since 1975, and that's a long, long time. And I'll tell you what. I've had many a customer not pay their invoices, and I've got a payroll to make. Mm -hmm. What do I tell my employees? What does IHOP tell their employees? All these 'er ne'er-do-well people that are complaining and ostracizing IHOP, Wrong. Wear a helmet, like like you say, because these that company they have to make payroll too, and the people are going to skip out on their bills, just like I've had customers skip out on their invoices. Hey, it, it hurts, right? You know, and the responsibility. I commend anyone who runs a business. The right. responsibility is tremendous.
0: Well, well right. And thanks for calling, See, and I guess I don't. I mean, again, where the waitress made the mistake, I, I think, is that she she singled out this one particular group. And I mean, I don't know if it would have been as big a controversy if this was for white teenagers as opposed to for black teenagers. But but the overall concept of of making if you have a problem with a particular subset of people based on age, if, if you have young people that have been running out on their bills, I guess I don't think it is that unreasonable now. You, you got to do it across the board. I, I, I mean, if you're going to pick and choose and say, okay, well, you look like clean cut kids, so you know you don't have to prepay, and you guys look like a bunch of ne'er do wells, you do have to pay. That's where you lead yourself into problems. But I mean, I don't think as a policy this is an unreasonable business decision. Mike and Delvin. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Mike.
5: I, I do um, I don't care. Uh, how old a person is, it's totally wrong.
3: Unfortunately, as kids, there's a, I know there's a lot of good kids out there, and it's like anything else, um, they have to ruin it for everybody else. The, right. the waitress the waitress was absolutely right, and IHOP should back her up. Uh, people who serve the public like this, uh, that's their livelihood, man, and they're, they're robbing it out. They're robbing the money from the people who are serving them. And it's it's
4: not right to order and then leave.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, thanks. And again, this this is, if they're having a problem with this, I, I I, I think they have the right to deal with it. And if the problem, if, look, it's one of those things where if the problem is you've got young people that are doing this, and I understand like anybody can theoretically dine and dash, but at this place, what they're finding is it's teenagers that are doing this. You know, it's not the 65 year old couples that are coming in. So they're not a problem. So they don't impose the rule on them. If they want to put in a rule, like I say, it says anybody under the age of 21 or 25 has to prepay. I don't think that's unreasonable. Now, The thing is, if you start picking out groups, like I say, that's where you get into some of these problems. But the basic concept of making kids prepay, especially, and again, I don't know if that's the case, but I know in some restaurants, it's the waitress or the waiter that's on the hook if people end up running out. Lamar in Orlando. Lamar, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
4: Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, my, My first job... There was, uh, I used to be, I used to wait on tables at the Denny's by the Northridge right there. Oh, the
0: one on Brown Deer Road, like Brown Deer and 76 yeah. there. Brown Deer and, um, yep. yeah. yeah, 76, yeah. yeah.
4: Yep, and so when the Northridge Mall was open, during, uh, during, like, homecoming season and, you know, and we, specifically on Fridays and Saturdays, we would get bum-rushed with, you know, the young crowd. Yep. And so we had this problem big time. And so what we had service, and we are all, you know, we are all young ourselves, and we are obviously taking a hit in our pockets, so we adopted that rule just across the board anybody that we sold on Friday nights and Saturday nights it was a majority of the young crowd and you know we didn't I'll be honest we didn't tell many that we were doing that, but that's what we we adopted right and a few weeks went by and those that were that, that, that were doing it they, they should stopped coming We didn't right. have a problem anymore it took about a month or so and then we didn't have the problem anymore
0: right the word got out now when, when you work there if somebody ran out on the bill, did it come out of your paycheck
4: no Denny's Denny didn't have that rule that it came okay. Out of your okay. I just wrote it off, but I did have, uh, I did, you know, when somebody did that, when I first started working, I chased after them and they were like,
0: dude, i never <laughs> do that. <laughs> right. Was, yeah. I was, I yeah, yeah. Especially, especially in today's day and age. Thanks for calling Well, I guess that that's, I mean, see, I don't think this is an unreasonable type of, of rule. Now, again, these guys are, the, the waitress is in trouble because she, she did it. Um, and somebody obviously thought she was singling out these kids because they were black kids. All right. So, so that adds this whole other layer to it. But the basic concept of saying, hey, I, you know, there's certain groups of people that I'm having a problem with. We have young people that are dining and dashing. So, yeah, I want you to pay up front. I don't think that that's unreasonable. Michelle and Grafton. Hi, Michelle. You're on WTMJ.
1: Hi. I don't think it's, it's,
7: it's the, the job of the, the waitress to, um, Reinforce this policy. It should be like, you know, when you walk in, Jeff, and you see no shoes, no shirts, no shoes. Right. They should post something to say, um, and they have to watch whatever, however they word it, but that it's our restaurant's new policy, unfortunately, it's our restaurant's new policy, that um, in any groups of... of, um,
0: Teenagers or whatever.
7: (laughs) Well, uh, clients under the age of whatever it would be. Right. I I don't know. Um, not accompanied by an adult will be asked to prepay after their or- ordering and that way she's it's off of her it's right. company policy if they choose not to eat there they can. everyone knows that every group of children under that age it will right. be applicable to and I think that that would eliminate people coming in who have that in mind and the um, you know the fault falling on the um, waitress because it should not be up to her discrimination to say, um, I'm going to do it with these kids because they look like they might not. That way, it's, it's right across the board. I was right. telling your screener, Drew, you know, it's like when you go to Pick and Save and you're my age and they ask you for your... I right, see, yeah, they, yeah, they card, card, the
0: card for board. everybody to buy, yeah. Right. right. But, but I guess he... I,
7: I see, take it as a compliment.
0: Well, you see, I, in, in, I mean, thanks to call Michelle. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because... I'm one of the people who has railed and continues to rail about the idiocy, in my opinion, of the pick and save policy to say that we're going to card everybody. So that, I mean, I, I, I tell you, 21 was a long time ago and nobody would look at me. Well, I think I look perhaps younger than I actually am. Nobody's going to mistake me for being under 21. That is just the reality there. It's just, uh, I was, I was kind of looking through the window to my producer group for verification. Nobody's going to mistake that. Um, so That's why I would think that if you had a policy saying, hey, we're going to card everybody that we think is under 30 or something, that would make sense to me. But the the place has the right to do that, and then people have the right to decide whether they're going to shop there or not. All right. I am just about out of time. We're going to find out what John McCure and Melissa Barkley and Greg Matzik have on their minds. Wisconsin's afternoon news is coming right up. Stick around. It's 254. This is Jeff Wagner.